Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Ballers Corner. Today we're doing a 1v1. Um, we haven't done one of these in a while but I remember having um, a debate with my my co-host Tony um, in our group chat quite a while ago and we were basically talking about the standard and level of you know the mid-table teams in the Premier League currently and in the past and yeah we we had a difference of opinion like a, a huge difference of opinion really where I thought the current standard was you know better and Tony thought otherwise so welcome Tony how you doing not too bad not too bad uh, it's been a long day at work today but <laughs> we'll keep grinding isn't it? Um, it's always, isn't it yeah is this is a this is a topic that I really love because you know there's always such a thing in football, such recency bias, isn't it? Yeah. Like reactionary stuff. Everyone thinks the here and now is the here and now and whatever happened before, it doesn't matter. It's always, so I like I like to call them a refresher topic because we get to speak to people about exactly what it was like in the past for those that weren't there or don't remember and get to compare yeah. to exactly what, what error is best and what error actually is. So let's get into it. Let's get into it. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. <laughs> cool. So I just think, yeah, all in all, if you look at the teams on paper, you look at the standard of football that they play, the teams currently are just way better than the teams back then. You know, you've got international footballers who start, you know, for their countries at major tournaments and they're playing for these like sort of mid-table teams who are trying to challenge or like not not even there yet but i mean they're almost world class players that you know are at these mid table teams and i just think in in this day and age you know there's so many there's so many good good players who don't even make it into like the top 6 teams they're playing for you know southampton or they're playing for brighton and whatnot and i just think mm. back then it wasn't the case. They were just normal ballers who weren't even nah. really getting international lookings like that. That's lazy, bro. That's so lazy because that's always been the case. The Premier League's always been a league that's managed to attract footballers of different nationalities and actual playing for the countries into clubs. Like one team I always like to look at when people say the Premier League has better players playing in mid table than back in those days is a team like Middlesbrough. Right? Middlesbrough had internationals. Yeah. Fair enough, it coincided with England's golden generation. But for example, England manager right now, Gareth Southgate, was an England international playing for Middlesbrough. You know what I'm saying? Middlesbrough want a team that necessarily were knocking on the door uh, and finishing in Europa League places. But uh, I may be wrong about this, but I, may, I remember they got to the UEFA Cup final in a season where, and Fulham did the same thing in 2010 as well, where they won their right to play in, the champ- in that competition uh, due to being win- winning the Fair Play Award. Um, yeah. What I mean by that, the Fair Play Award is a team that's randomly got awarded the chance to play in, in the European competition via the qualifiers 
for getting the least amount of yellow cards and red cards in the campaign over the season. Fulham did it in 2009 and got to play in 2010 and went all the way to the final. In Middlesbrough, I believe Middlesbrough did, I may be wrong, correct me if I am anyone. I, excuse me, I believe Middlesbrough did the exact same. In that same team, you had Juninho, who was a Brazil international. Um, you had, um, bro, from, I'm trying to think of footballers on top of my head. You had Gareth Southgate. Enzo Alves, is that the same? Nah, he came a lot later, but you had Stuart Downing that was breaking through as well. You had oh, Gats Kamendieta, yeah. like, that guy was, yeah, yeah. you know what I mean? So it's always been, and Macaroni, I believe, was in Italy squad as well. So you had these things were always been, were always there. Like, um, if you also look at like um, 2003 and four, like it was there, like even like a Newcastle, for example. Newcastle had like Luke Way and, and um, Norberto Solano and Alex yeah. and all these guys playing for the national team. It's always been there. People just think, uh, it's happening now, it happened back then. It's always been a thing, but come on, it's normal for the Premier League. No, whilst I do hear that, and the Mendieta shot is a really good one because he he was like what top six, seven in like uh world record fees at that time when cost Lazio he, like 40 mil. Yeah, say. yeah, that's that's a really mm. good player that they had. But I just feel like teams now are just more well-rounded, and you know, you're seeing you know, okay, so there's guys like Mendieta, of course, as you mentioned, and Southgate and whatnot. But the level now of these players is above because if you put let's let's for example go to Brighton. So Brighton, the last few seasons haven't even really been mid-table. They finished like 14th, 15th this season. They've made it to the top half of the table, but they're still attracting guys like Cucurella. They've got Bissuma there, who is I mean, he's arguably going to start for all but two teams in the Premier League, really and truly. Like that's that's a great talent that they picked up. They've got Tariq Lamptey, who, you know, made one senior appearance in men's football before that move to Brighton from Chelsea, and I mean, he's ripping it up. I mean, he's he's an electric wing back. They've got Neil Mope. This was this FM one, the kid who. Um, you know, he, he made his way up a little bit from like the championship and whatnot, but he's ended up at Brighton and he's a really good player, Pascal Gross. Like they've got players that I just think are the level above the players of the previous generation. Like these are also really good like ball players as well. Like I just think that yeah, Southgate was Southgate was all right, do you know what I mean? But now you're talking about how they brought through Ben White, that's now an England international. There's Adam Webster, who we've seen is really good. There's Lewis Dunk, who's played for England. Like they, they're just uh, a different level. Okay. I don't think Dunk's played for England, but for every Brighton of today, there was a Portsmouth of yesterday. Like we don't have to talk about the Portsmouth team that won the FA Cup. We can talk about the Portsmouth team in 2005 if you want. Uh, you mentioned there that they might say to attract players like Cucurella, right, to go there and play for them. Well, mm-hmm. Portsmouth in 2005 signed a player called D'Alessandro. Um, for those that aren't, <laughs> you don't know who that is, right? Um, D'Alessandro is, he was like a tacky, he was like a 10, Andres D'Alessandro, right? He was like a 10 that was playing for Argentina oh, as well. Yeah, yeah. He was playing for Argentina's national team. And they plucked him from thin air, brought him to a 15, 20,000 seat stadium called Portsmouth in Portsmouth. And he was wicked. Like Harry Redknapp actually said, it's the best footballer he's ever seen 
he's ever managed. And her end up managed Frank Lampard. Do you know what I mean? So for Brighton doing that today, everyone's thinking, oh my God, this didn't happen back in then. It did. It happened with, with Portsmouth. For, for Tariq Lamptey, they had a, they had Glenn Johnson that they picked from Chelsea's, basically Chelsea's reserves. I know Glenn Johnson maybe had a few appearances for Chelsea, but he was still wasn't yeah. around, as well renowned as he was by the time he left. Um, they also had like Wayne Routledge that came from Tottenham. I know it was only a loan deal, but he broke through at Portsmouth and became the footballer. He didn't become a footballer. He was suspect, he was suspected to play. He had a higher ceiling than that, but he still had quite a respectful career managing last in the Premier League. So then you had like Frank Songo. This is a, a forgotten name, right? And maybe forget me if I'm wrong, right? But Frank Songo was an 18-year-old player that joined Portsmouth straight from Barcelona. Like, yeah. He was in Barcelona's youth team. So this is like, who was the, who was like, I don't know who Barcelona's got on the books right now, but like, let's say, for example, who's that fella that left about the Leipzig a minute ago? Um, Mariba. Elias Mariba, right? That's like him. Yeah. That's like him signing for, for um, who's down there? For Norwich. You're going to be like WTF, right? Yeah. So this is what I mean by the Premier League is within itself has always been able to attract certain footballers, regardless of the era. Um, so Portsmouth in two thousand and five and six had that had were, were bringing in players of that caliber, despite them fighting for really fighting from relegation every single season. You also had like Blackburn a couple of years later that were able to bring in Roque Santa Cruz from Bayern Munich. Like these things happened, and has always happened, and will always happen. So. Whilst I get what you're saying about Brighton attracting players, the attraction to the Premier League has always been money. And Premier League have always had money throughout the years. So. I do hear that. Just for you listeners, um, I'm going from the last 10 years, so from 2012 to 2022, and thinking of the mid-table teams in that period. And Tony is going from the 10 years before that, so from basically 2002 to 2012. And whilst I do hear that, I want you to give me a mid-table team player who shone in the Premier League the way Dimitri Payet did. I mean, that West Ham team, he, he was the man. Do you know what I mean? He was, he was phenomenal. He did everything and random moments of brilliance. Random moments of brilliance. That's like a star, star player. He was still, you know, going to Euros and playing for France and whatnot as a starter and, you know, helping them reach the final and whatnot. And he's playing at West Ham. Do you know what I mean? I just think, again, I understand and I do appreciate that the there have always been, you know, these players who kind of will play mid-table teams, but they're really good quality and... You're, you're also correcting um, what you're saying with money is a main attraction. I think with the Premier League teams, they're able to offer more money than teams abroad. There's a chance to play in the UK. Like There's a lot of attraction to playing in the Premier League, especially if you manage to find yourself in like a big city. Mm. The, the players really do hate the weather, but if you find yourself in a big city, I don't think it's too bad. Yeah, well... But I just think... Yeah. To counter Dimitri Payet, which the call West, yeah, we call West Ham team, but to count Dimitri Payet is is a needle in a, in a haystack. Like he's a he's a gem among stones. I get that, but like 
yeah, it may not have been to the same magnitude only because it wasn't for the same amount of length. If, if this footballer stayed at this club, for as, or if this footballer stayed at West Ham for the same length as Dimitri Payet would say that left Ham, West Ham, you could have seen the same levels. I think you already know who I'm talking about here, but it's Carlos Tevez. For you raised Dimitri Payet, I raised you Carlos Tevez. Carlos Tevez single-handedly, well, maybe not single-handedly, I think Mascherano was also a part in it, um, yeah. took West Ham out of the depths of relegation. West Ham were 19th when he signed. He managed to stay up. I know Sheffield United fans are still bitter about it today because the transfer was a bit booky. But for footballers, fans, football fans that remember that season, boy, <laughs> boy. No, that was a... The Cardinal Tevez came to Old Trafford and run the defence ragged. It was a Ronaldo-friendly match against Sporting Lisbon effect. Like He came to Old Trafford, he, he, he did the mazzoline. And my man said, yeah, bring him here. Pay whatever. Blank checkbook, bring him here. And that's what happened. So, um, yeah, I can give you Carlos Tevez. It's a little bit harsh um, because, nah, Tottenham are mid-table. I was going to say it's a little bit harsh because Tottenham have never really been a mid-table team. They've always been a team aspiring for Europa League. Yeah. But like, my personal favourite, it may not be mid-table, my personal favourite in terms of, it, uh, um, what do you call it, influence or just making a stand in the Premier League is Rafael van der Vaart, bro. Van der Vaart was spectacular. What a guy. <laughs> nah, that was a great player. Honestly, that 2010-11 that season, I know people talk about Bale's hat-trick against Inter Milan, but yeah. He, um... Tottenham really had Van der Vaart, Modric, Gareth Bale um, all in the same midfield. Do you know what I mean? Like, oh, good times. Even at David I hear you, but I, I don't think I can give you Van der Vaart because Tottenham no, no, no. were like really mm-hmm. great player though. Like, and yeah, I mean, he, he really did do well at Tottenham. They they had a good team them times. Mm. They had a really good team, man. I remember seeing Pavlyuchenko up top. I remember. I love him. Yeah. Doesn't get his flowers. I adored Pavlyuchenko. <laughs> they had really, really good players. When did Berbatov was still. No, nah, he was at Man United. He came oh, no, 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 not in my time period, anyway. Yeah, um, yeah, no, nah, that's, that's even, um, Birmingham, Birmingham in two thousand eight or two thousand eight nine, no, two thousand nine ten. Signed, you guys don't remember him at the time, but they signed Mauro Zarate, right? He was like, yeah, he was like a next big thing coming out of Argentina, and they brought him to Birmingham, and then they signed the next big thing coming out of Colombia, like a week later, in Chucho Hernandez, Chucho Hernandez, no, that's the Watford guy, Chucho Benitez, that's the one. Uh, yeah. He sadly passed away a few years ago. Um, and then Birmingham all of a sudden were fielding a 4-3-3. In 2010, managers Alex McLeish, right? With Chucho Hernandez, Chucho, sorry, Chucho Benitez, Maro Zarate and Cameron Jerome. And back then, we used to look at that like, yo, this is quality. Your people will laugh yeah. now because they'll see Cameron Jerome and be like, oh, what a dead baller. But Cameron Jerome, back he was then, good. No, he was good. is what Callum Wilson is today. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like in terms of perception. So people will understand that Cameron Wilson is what of a is a decent striker that will get you goals. This was Cameron Jerome. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So when you also have Sunderland of the same year, have one of my favorite Premier League teams of all time, like hashtag make Sunderland black again. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. They had Kenwin Jones and Jibra Cisse and, and Darren Bent, like two adults yeah. could only start a game because they played a 4 4 2, meaning one of them had to be on the bench. So with every single game, at least one of Darren Bent 
Kenwin Jones, Dribble Cisse, only two of them could play. And then just to flex their guns, if they went after, Kenwin Jones went to Stoke and in came Asamoah Jan. Like, come on. The Premier League's always been able to attract talent in mid-table. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, like, this is why I don't hear the argument because we can go back and go back and go back. You'll still see the same type of calibre players pulling up. And don't, I have not even mentioned Aston Villa yet. <laughs> so, yeah. No, I do see it, but you see how you mentioned Stoke and Kenwin Jones, Kenwin Jones getting to Stoke. Mm-hmm. Then you're talking about um, Stoke a little bit later with Nzonzi and Shakiri and Van Hinkle and Robert Hoof and, you know, like, I just think these names, I mean, Shakiri, he was, what, that little superstar, everyone thought he was going to be, like, mm-hmm. that next big thing. It may not have necessarily worked out for him, but for him to, you know, get that move to Stoke, that that really did raise their profile. They got Ibrahim Afalai again, yeah. someone who, I guess, it didn't work out for him at a big club elsewhere, but he decided to end up at Stoke. And Bojan, another player, this was, you know, Barca's golden boy, the new Messi and whatnot. He didn't necessarily make it as a new Messi, but. He, he ended up at Stoke. And, like, I just think these these are all class players. These are all technical players. And they started to change the perception of Stoke as well. Like, Stoke went from this, you know, we're going to throw it long and we're going to hoof it and, you know, hope for the best to playing all these technical ballers and, you know, trying to properly play football. And I just think the quality they had really improve that Stoke team and is, I mean, look at the three players I named and look at the the expectations they all had and the fact that they're join, joining Stoke City. I mean, I, I feel like, again, I do respect your argument, but just man for man, put that Stoke team against a lot of these other teams that you're mentioning. Okay. And the names, I mean, the names are crazy, no? <laughs> yeah, in hindsight, right? The names are crazy. But then if I said to you, let's go back to Middlesbrough 2007-8, right? They had just signed Real Madrid's Jonathan Woodgate, which people don't actually remember. Woodgate was top five English in the backs. Like, this guy is what... You, know, you, had, you had Rio, you had Terry, you had Carragher, if you so wish. You had King, you had Campbell. And they were like... They were like the five. And just underneath that, breaking breaking in, making a name for himself, is Jonathan Woodgate. The English, the, 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 quali- the caliber of English centre-backs now has fallen way off the wayside. Like, we may only, I don't know if we have a top-tier centre-back anymore. We have good centre-backs, but we don't have a top-tier centre-back. And this is what I mean by, for me, I think football's got worse and not better, right? Because the standard of playing has been warped. And... Now, every footballer is a decent footballer. But there's no footballer that's, that generally stands out, in my personal opinion. Whereas back then, footballers stood out. So Ferdinand was quality. Terry was quality. I don't particularly rate Harrogate too highly. I think Harrogate was decent and, and accomplished. But I don't think in terms of like, you know, he feels like, he feels like me. He just feels like watching John Stones. But I've got to put him up there for what he did for himself, innit? Yeah, Wood, yeah, yeah. His calibre was in that. Was in just below the the Sol Campbell, but around the Jamie Carragher slash Ledley. I think Ledley King was better than all of them, but 
Yeah, Lenny King was better. Just yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? But that's what he was. And he got to move to Real Madrid. Didn't work out. Cool. But that's still the type of player that he was. He was still good enough to, to, to have played for um, the elite side. Like, Woodgate was Champions League level, right? So then he goes to Middlesbrough. And he's there in 2007 Robert Hoof, again, you should know him very well because he, he actually came out of Chelsea Academy, I believe. Or maybe, yeah, from Chelsea. Yeah. Right? He was another highly rich centre back. I think Hoof went to 2008 Euros as like a 20 year old or a 21 year old playing with the big boys. Marcel, the one that, he's the one other one that played for um, the German guy, also played for Real Madrid. I forget his name all the time. Met Zelda. Zelda, that's one. Partner in Mel Zelda in, in, in Germany's defence, age 22. Like, so you have now Woodgate from Madrid, Huth, that signed from Chelsea, but very highly rated. You also had, um, I don't, people don't remember him, but Luke Young, who was basically like Kieran Trippier back in the day, in terms of high potential, didn't meet it. I think they signed yeah. like 10 million or from wherever he came from. Um, then you also had Fabio Rockenbach. Like, again, names that, names that I'm not going to, that not going to, people from that generation, or this generation, I'm going to remember. But these are footballers that held their own. And, even a YouTube search of Rockingback's compilations, that like this guy was scoring screamers for fun. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Um, Julio Arca, Mendieta was still there. Then they also signed the likes of like Tunchai Sanli, who was Turkey's, I think he was yeah. um, top goal scorer until Barak Yilmaz came and took it. But yeah. at the time when he signed, he, um, he was the leading goal scorer in the Turkish league. Right? So to do that, for Middlesbrough to sign Turkey's best player, People think now it's normal, but back then it, it wasn't normal. That makes sense? Yeah. Like that normality of like a lower league, like uh, a lower league best player signing for a mid-table team was kind of unheard of because that didn't happen. No, they always went to the best teams. Um, you had that, and then you also had Afonso Alves, who, remember him? He cost what he was Middlesbrough's record signing, £15 million. Pounds yeah. Yeah. From Herovine, he scored like... 34 goals and 35 games for Herobeen and went to Middlesbrough. Didn't work out. This is the exact type of same situation where you said, well, Stoke managed to assemble all these footballers that, you know, had high, that were well-known and had came from renowned clubs and were, were supposed to be somebody but didn't become somebody and then went to Stoke and helped them kind of change vision, change the way they were perceived. Middlesbrough did that in 2006, 2007, 2008 by bringing in the likes of, like the players I've just said, Alfonso Alves, Mido was there, Fabio Rockenback was there, Woodgate was there, Young was there. Um, what's his name? Hoos was there. I've also missed someone. I'm trying to think. Julio Arco was there. I've missed somebody big. And then you also had Adam Johnson. That's it. I know we can't say his name anymore because obviously he's disgraced himself. But like mm-hmm. you had him and Stuart Downing on the wings. And these guys were at the time supposed to be England's next thing. They were supposed to be like England's wingers for the next 10 years. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So, again, like, if we ignore the revisionism and we ignore the recency bias and we ignore the, um, the, the reactionary tales of, of what fans like to be, like, it's another example of, right, but this, was, this has always been a thing, so it's been there. Now, I'm, I hear that. I'm going to list off a few names and I think you're going to get the gist of which club I'm talking about. So, Sadio Mane... Graziano Pele, they had Nathaniel Klein, Morgan Schneiderlin. These mm. are these are names that I know are ringing a bell. Cedric Suarez, Cuco Martina, Jordan Classy, Oreo Romeu, Virgil Van Dyke. Right. Now they 
they became a little bit of a laughing stock and called um, Liverpool's feeder club, basically. I'm also forgetting guys like Adam Lallana, Ricky Lambert. They they had quite a good period, did Southampton. Yeah. And I mean, now you've got the what the most expensive defender ever. No, because Oh, okay. Yeah, well. Second most expensive defender ever. Second most <laughs> second most um expensive defender mm-hmm. ever. And right now the probably the number one in the world. I don't think there's an argument for anyone else really. You've got one of the, I mean, in recent history, one of the best left wingers that the Premier League has seen. He's now reinvented himself as basically a nine um, to accommodate for Luis Diaz. Right. I mean, Southampton, look, look at what they did. And they had a really good period. And then there's like all these unsung heroes, such as like, Stephen Davis and Maya Yashida and players like that who, you know, their their name might not be, you know, there when you're talking about Southampton, but the unsung heroes, Dusan Tadic, look at what he's done for Ajax. I think I heard that last season he either broke or joint Messi's um, assist record in all competitions, like... That's that's crazy. Like Southampton had a crazy, crazy team, and I think they are arguably one of the best mid-table sides the Premier League has ever seen, if not the best. Because not only did they have the players, but they had the style of play that aesthetically nice football. But they could also mix it up because they could defend really well. You know, when people. Um, saw Van Dijk was getting to Liverpool, they started talking about, oh, but Southampton play in this deep block or mid block and that's not going to be the case at Liverpool and all he has to do is head of things clear. No, that, that didn't happen. They they also had like Ryan Bertrand. and I mean, Southampton really do have an argument for the best mid-table sides that the Premier League have seen and they nurtured all these players a lot of them went Liverpool, such as Mane, Van Dijk, Lalana. A lot of them went elsewhere and Sean, but they all became better. Do you know what I mean? Um, big shout out to Pochettino for helping them get there. But these are all players that Southampton took a chance on. I, I remember me and you having this conversation about Mane. He wasn't really too popular when they did take the plunge on him and I mean now I I from the record I wanted Mane at my United so bad. Yeah, no I know this. <laughs> like I remember there was a report that Van Hal asked the owners to, to shell out 30 mil to bring him in. But they were like, no, you signed Memphis to Pie last year. Why should we bring him in? Anyway, I was on my knees for Mane man. Player. And again, like everyone knew Van Dyke was a good, the funny thing is that's another thing that you said that I don't think was incorrect was incorrect. Everyone knew Van Dyke was a capable defender. Everyone knew that Van Dyke was playing above his level than Southampton. There was a link once that Inter Milan wanted him, but Southampton priced him out of a move. So we all knew like he was he was of a certain level. In fact, I remember Southampton actually played Inter Milan in the Europa League and he held his own. Like he played really well. Um so we always knew he was about that next level. No one 
knew he was going to be the best in the world, though. So fair play to him for doing that. But we all knew that he was off good, great quality. But for every Southampton, right, I'm going to list you three teams, right, um, that I believe that can combat it. Um, we have to go back to Portsmouth. I said, I did say that, you know, um, I, I mocked them up earlier and I said, I haven't spoken about the fact that they were the FA Cup winning team. All right, you're listing all these names. Now, Portsmouth is team, right, in 2007-8, managed by High Red now. Um, no, 2000, yeah, 2007-8, managed by High Red now, right? In gold, David James, England, got a shot stopper at the time, went to the 2010 World Cup, was called Calamity James, but probably one of England's best ever goalkeepers, um, because, to be honest with you, the list is quite small, <laughs> but he still held his own. Um, Sol Campbell was their captain and centre-back, and he partnered next to um, Still Van Distan, I believe, if I'm not wrong. Um, Still Van Distan again. Maybe, like I said, looking back, you're not going to see, oh, yeah, Still Van Distan, yeah, who was that? But Still Van Distan and Jose Fonte are, are kind of the same calibre in terms of centre-backs, right? And then we see Van Dijk in terms of this, his role at Southampton can be compared to Will Campbell in regards to the colossus that they were for the back four. Um, for every... For every Nathaniel, Nathaniel Klein, and you got then I've got to tell you all about Lauren. Like Lauren was part of the unbeatable uh, Invincibles at Arsenal, so surely yeah. he's a incredible player, right? Yeah, yeah, I'll give you that yeah. as well. But then Lauren didn't even was even starting games regularly because, like I said, the bright prospect in that team, the brightest spark of that Portsmouth team, arguably, was Glenn Johnson at right back. So I think that kind of trumps you there. Um, and then in centre midfield, you had like listen, I remember this vividly. Yeah? There's only five footballers that I've capped for in terms of five mid-table footballers. I like my United recruiting from the top, I'll be honest with you. But looking back, there's always five footballers that said, I need this footballer at my United. I just mentioned, one of them was Sadio Mane when he was at Southampton. One yeah. of them was Luka Modric when he was at Tottenham. I'm a, till this day, I'm a huge Modric advocate. When he came to Tottenham Hotspur, he had a, he had a, he had kind of a difficult first season. But by, by 2010-11, I said, this guy needs to be in a my United club next season. Didn't happen. Mm -hmm. The third one for me, right, and people are going to be quite quite confused by this, was Lasana Diara. Lasana Diara clearly, when I say this, clearly was a top top footballer because Arsenal and Chelsea almost went to went to court for his <laughs> for his signature. Yeah, um, I can't remember what order it was in, but I think he played for Arsenal, and then something happened, and they cut his contract, and Chelsea signed him, and Arsenal tried to take Chelsea to court for for pitching, isn't it? Or was it the other way around? Um, I think I think it was the other way around. He was at Chelsea first, but yeah, I mean Chelsea were involved in a lot of them times. Look at John Obi Mikel's situation as well. Yeah, we're going to bring that one. Chelsea are probably to blame, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So yeah, the side of the aura, and he played in midfield with Pedro Mendes or Buba, uh, Papa Buba Diop. Papa Buba Diop played for Liverpool, right? Um, like he did. I might have made that up. Can't recall. No, he made that. I think I made that. No, nah, I don't think he did. I remember like Portsmouth and Fulham. Mm. Not, not. And Liverpool, West Ham. He definitely played for West Ham. Okay, I made, made that. Yeah, West Ham too. Yeah, that's cool. But Pedro Mendes, the the Blasar Dr. Dr. Who was actually getting French caps while I was playing for Portsmouth, and the one footballer that was just clearly like so. Dr. The top three was Dr. Johnson, in my opinion, and. Um, Solomon Tari. Solomon Tari left Portsmouth to go and win a treble with Inter Milan. Yeah. 
Yeah. And he held his own in that midfield. I know he didn't start every single game, but the games he played, he held his own. Like that was a talented footballer right there. And up front, you had, you know, Jermaine Defoe, you had Milan Barros, who kind of fell off by that point. It's okay. Um, you had Crouch that came the year after. You had David Nugent. Remember when David Nugent was in the championship and he scored like yeah, yeah. he scored like 25 goals. Right. Yeah. Scored in his England debut, stole the goal from Jermaine Defoe, but scoring his England debut. Like yeah. that's one squad that you can you can look at. I said, you know what? At the time, it was very it was insane to how Portsmouth had managed to attract all these big players. So as we're sitting here today, the last generation will look at those names and compare them to Southampton. So Southampton name sounds bigger. But if you were if you were a fan of football in the in the two thousands, yeah, it's closer than you think in terms of like the Sarah Diara, Sully Montari, Jermaine Defoe, Glenn Johnson, Sol Campbell, all sharing a pitch, David James, all sharing a pitch at Portsmouth. Portsmouth, who all respect the Portsmouth fans, aren't a huge club. It was simply yeah. unheard of. <laughs> like, do you know what I mean? It was insane. We've not seen it in the Premier League. That's like um do you know what that's like? That's like, um, I'm trying to think right now. Um, let's say Liverpool went unbeaten the season, right? Mm-hmm. Let's not say Virgil because Virgil's too big and Sol didn't reach those heights. Let's say Matip um, was top 10. He probably is, but let's say he's top 10 centre-backs in the world, right? He then yeah. leaves Liverpool on a free at the end of the season. And then, uh, two years after their unbeaten season, whilst he's still at the top of his game, by the way, and joins... And he goes and joins. Uh, no, they got ready again. Um, Leeds. <laughs> like that's that's what it was like. It's insane. Talking to Leeds, that's another team I want to I want to talk about as well. Leeds, two thousand and one team. Uh, again, this is really showing my age here. This is when I first started tapping into football, and my dad used to talk about this team a lot. I do have vivid memories of them, two thousand and one and two, before the the the, the cash crash. Let's call it. Um, my dad used to talk about this team a lot, but even if you look at that team, like they had World Cup winner Roque Junior. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? They yeah. had Rio Ferdinand, who they signed for was it thirty million pounds from West Ham? Like that's they had dough in it. Paul Robinson, he was England number one at the time, battling it out with with David James. I've mentioned David James. Um, I'm trying to think. Jonathan Woodgate was there again. That's where he made his name. So that's another footballer for you guys. Um, in midfield, you probably won't remember him, but they had Alan Smith, who's signed for Man United, who was a very, very tidy footballer. Could literally play anyway. He plays a six, seven, sorry, six, eight on the wing as a 10, second striker up front. He was strangely and impressively um, um, versatile. Excuse me. Had Robbie Keane, who, if you remember from the 2000s, Robbie Keane is... What's Robbie? Who can you relate Robbie King to? I think he's the closest footballer to him as Vardy, but different playing styles even then. Yeah, yeah. I kind of see what you're trying to say. Yeah, in terms of just like mid-table striker um, that, you know, just scored goals regardless of everywhere he went. He scored at, yeah. he scored at Leeds. He even went to Villa on loan from LA Galaxy and scored there. Tottenham's team with Martin Yo weren't the greatest and he scored bags and bags there. So he's done it everywhere. And obviously, then you had like Robbie Fowler. Ask Liverpool fans about Robbie Fowler if you're not familiar with him. Mark Viduka, who made more of his name at Middlesbrough, but again, came to the Premier League and, and took it by storm. And Harry Kuehl, ask Liverpool fans about Harry Kuehl if you don't know about him. There's a reason why he was number seven, for God's sake. <laughs> he, he had tiny feet when he first came through. And then, of course, my favourite, I know I'm rambling on a little bit here. 
my favourite is the Villa team of 08 and 09. If I said to you now, Jeff, because I know for a fact that you remember this team, this team the most, right? Who would win in a team out of Southampton 14-15 and Aston Villa 08-09? Be honest, who would win the game? It's a, it's a really tough one. That that team there developed my love for Ashley Young as well. That Yeah, that, that was a really good team. I can't lie to you. It, ah, it's tough though. I mean, you're still forgetting like there's all Mane, there's Van Dijk. Like Southampton had these players, and I think but probably the on paper the Southampton is, team is stronger. I don't think you can count out this Villa team either. Like they, they, they had really talented players. The way, you're, the way you're talking is as if like Southampton had the Mane and the Van Dijk of today in the Southampton team. Like that kind of isn't fair because. If we're talking, if I'm sitting there and saying, okay, Hotspur for 2008 had the best version of Salim Montari, which they didn't, Inter Milan did, then it changes aspect. If Portsmouth for 2008 had the best version of Saul Campbell, which they didn't, Arsenal's Invincibles did, do you know what I mean? That's what you're kind of looking at. Mane at Southampton was a great player, but he was nothing more than a prospect until he went to Liverpool and proved himself. This is the exact same situation that was happening in the 2000s. Hence why I mentioned Leeds, like... Leeds also had James Milner. James Milner came from Leeds' youth team. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And like everyone knew who Milner was at the age of 18 because he was playing week in, week out for Leeds. So no, I'm, I wasn't even going with like the money of today, but I'm just thinking if we're going based on the lineup of like Cedric, Yoshida, Font, there's Mane, there's Tadic, there's Wanyama, there's Romeo Woods Prowse is young there. There's Van Dyke. There's Graziano Pele. Bertrand's like there's there's a team there. They even had like Gaston Ramirez who barely even played. He didn't really make an impact, but he was another huge name. I just think this that Southampton team had quality all round. And even if it's not the you know they're not the same. Well, they weren't what they are today. They yeah they had. You know, quality all around. Like Mane got over ten goals in the league. So did Shane Long. So did Graziano Pele. Then Tadic was close by, and yeah, they, I mean, the the attacking force was really good. And Wanyama, he held it down. He was solid. Obviously, by this time, United had snapped up Schneiderlin. But just think of that Wanyama and Schneiderlin pivot, because I remember that being one of the best in the league. And they played for Southampton, but they were one of the best pivots in the league. Like, yeah, But no, Lassar Diara and Montari was the best pivot for a mid-table team. It doesn't come close to them, too. I'm sorry. Oh. It doesn't. It really doesn't. Lassar Diara was the progressor. No, no, they were both like box-to-box engine. And if you don't believe what I'm saying, right, this game is live on YouTube for you to watch. It's the game that really breaks my heart the most because... So 2009, yeah, I'm, I'm hinged about this. In 2008 and nine, my United was, that was the year United was supposed to win the trouble. But like, it just didn't happen. It, it, it just didn't happen. My United were a Thomas Kushak fumble, like pussy clock. I, I, if I ever think, <laughs> I swear to God. Him getting a red card away from playing Cardiff in the FA Cup final. And that final was before the Champions League final. So had we beat... Cardiff, that momentum would have gone to the Champions League final and we would have played better. Because in 2009, we didn't get, we got outplayed by Barca, but, but like, it wasn't because 
they were good. It's because we were bad. You know what I'm saying? 2009 final, Man United played like shit. So, and the reason why all that happened is because of the game at Old Trafford, semi-final FA Cup, Old Trafford versus Portsmouth, where Lasana Diara and Solomon Tari played us off the park. I do remember that game. <laughs> I think I saw a comp of that game recently where Montari was just running it and I was like, this is the most random thing because who's thinking of sort of Montari? Yeah. Wow. Nah, he, he he played very well that game. And obviously me being from Ghana, I was I was rooting for him all the way, man. That was a, so a it, fantastic it, Then you also remember how good he was because how good was he at the 2010 World Cup? Sorry, Montari at the 2010 yeah. World Cup. Like, I know Jean got a lot of credits because he scored all the goals, but yeah. yeah, nominal though. It was phenomenal. Yeah. So for me, my the best mid-table stone pivot in Premier League history, Solomon Tari, the Solomon Diara. Obviously, um, people are entire, or even like the close second, probably be Milner and Gareth Barry, <laughs> if you want, or um, excuse me, I don't know, a very very push. Like the 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 one I want to see the most is like. Um, <laughs> I want to say that like Alano and Gelson Fernandez, but clearly it's not. Or something, <laughs> something ridiculous like um, the West Ham have Javier Mascherano and no Lee Boy was at Birmingham at the time. I can't think of and and Hayden or something. <laughs> but um, now, nah, bro, it's Sonny Montari and Diara. I just wish kids of today saw that. No, honestly, I do. I do agree. They're both great players. But so was um, Johan Kabai. Misa Sissoko, Vernon Anita. You know, when um, Newcastle had that French revolution going on, they were one of the best teams in the league. And fortunately for me, I think the cutoff date works in my favour because they signed Papi Cisse in the um 2012-13 season which I'm talking about Cisse signed him in the 11-12 season they signed him in some January 2012 you should remember this because he scored that absolute dirty goal against Chelsea remember oh, right <laughs> whilst you are right I do recall Cisse and Bar like up top with one another there's also Ben Arthur I mean we, we can't forget about Ben Arthur can we that one of the best technical players we've seen regardless of like you know position or anything like that like crazy player they had Tim Krull they had Colicini this is an Argentina starter they had Santon you know what I mean and this is this is one of the best talents in Italian football you could play left back or right back so I mean they 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 had a team man I think Newcastle really had a team and this French revolution of theirs was one of the best mid-table teams we've ever seen again like all round they were good they had Debussy at this time they had Haidara at this time they, they just had really good players and then they'll mix it with like Dan Goslin and rest in peace to check Teote but he was also part of that midfield with Kabai yeah. They had Morgan, Amma Filtano. Like they, they had players, man. I just think this this team, no offense, but it does top this 
um, Portsmouth team you're talking about. Yep. And then... Uh, does it? Ah, oh, come on. Does come it? On. I think it does. I think it does. What? They, they finish higher Cissé, than they... Cissé up top. At, oh, hey, I think it does, man. And even if you're not going to give me that, then we'll go for the greatest season by a mid-table player <laughs> we've seen. And we're just going to give it to meet you then, isn't it? No, no, because... no. Oh, so who are we going to give it to? Remember they had Michu, Pablo Hernandez. They had... But they had guys like Leon Britton, mm. like so technical in that midfield. So, so technical in that midfield. And they played football. They would come to the home of any of the big teams and they would play football like right in front of your face. Mm. They had Michel Vorm. Hey, Swansea, Swansea really did have a team. Nathan Dyer, Wayne Routledge. You mentioned Routledge Nathan before. Dyer, Dyer I put a smile on my face because... Dyer, Dyer wasn't it though, let's be honest. Dyer wasn't it. <laughs> hey, hey, he provided that, that threat in behind. <laughs> you know what I mean? He stretched, he stretched the game. That's that's what they needed at that point. You know what? And... You know what walked it for me though? Just to summarise and the reason why we're having this conversation. I think the whole thought of mid-tables improved has been warped by the fact that Leicester won the league. Um, I think there's been mid-table teams that have always... Oh, there's always been mid-table teams that... I think the quality mid-table, personally, has weakened. And it's always been strong throughout the two, early 2000s to the late 2000s. And it kind of reached the pinnacle around 2014, 2015, where the gap, especially with the money coming in, just got bigger and bigger. Like, the top six, for me, are so much better than six, the next six teams from 7th to 12th. 7th, 8th, 9th. Yeah, 7th to 12th, right? And then yeah, yeah. so much better from the teams that like the teams that finished 13th to about 15th are in limbo. It's weird. Like 13th to 16th. They're in limbo where one, any one season, a, t- a team from like 7th to 12th could have a bad year and they can be up there uh, and then they'll be back down there the next year after. And then the teams that finish 16th, 17th, 18th, 19th and 20th, normally the teams that normally come up from the championship, obviously you get that one team that have a freak year, i.e. like Brentford. But they're so off the pace. They're so yeah. I think they're so bad. Like, whereas in the 2000s, that was kind of rare. Like in the 2000s, you used to get one team which the club just get spunked. Like you had it with Derby County in 2007. You had it with Sunderland in 2005 and 6. You had it with Norwich in 2004 or 5 or something like that. Um, There used to be always one team that used to just come up and just not be, be good enough to stay up. And it would go back down. But everybody else would be within the fight. I remember when Palace first came up, right? And I always, I was speaking to my friend from work about this. They said, I said, there's one footballer that Jamie Vardy really reminds me of um, back in the day. And his name was Andrew Johnson. Do you remember him? He was bald. Oh, Andy Johnson. What a player with his bald head. Number yeah. eight. Yeah. <laughs> the guy that didn't do anything in build-up, but he used to always get over the back, over the, over the shoulders of the defence. Yeah. Get through one-on-one with the keeper and just wouldn't miss. He'd always score his one-on-one, right? Um, he had a 24-goal season for Crystal Palace in 2006. I know 14 of them were penalties, but like he kept Crystal Palace up by himself, similar to how Vardy kept Leicester up almost by himself in 2014-15. So um, I just feel like in terms of our mid-table teams now attracting bigger talent, that's always been there as we discussed at the start of the podcast. Like One freak of nature was Giovanni Dos Santos playing for Ipswich. Do you remember that? Yeah. 
<laughs> Do you know what I mean? So it's always been there. And then you say the quality of, of teams, we've dissected it, it's always been there. And then when you talk about actual quality, the only way we can kind of compare is by, you know, you said to me, what, Swansea were the best mid-table teams for one particular season, right? Because they won the League Cup and finished when? Like, what they finished where? 11th? Where did they finish? Whatever it was. They finished 12th, actually. Yeah. Well, I was just talking about Nietzsche's season, innit? Personally. Oh. I, oh, no, no. Actually, that season, they finished 9th. Mm. Um, and then the season after, they bought like Wilfred Bonny, they bought um, Jose Canas, they bought Jordi Amat, John Joe um, Shelby, as in good players, and then they finished 12th. But yeah, the season where Michu just went crazy, mm. um, you know, the whole Hazard ball boy incident and stuff, they won the League Cup that year and finished ninth in the league. Mm. Michu got 18 goals, which is crazy. I mean, yeah, that, that that was a good team. I wouldn't say the best. I think I would have had to have given the best to either Newcastle um, or Southampton. But, yeah, I mean, in, in terms of one season wonder, or like the best season that one of these mid-table players has had, I don't think you can find me someone who had a better season than meet you. And his debut season as well. Well, um I have to think about that one. I can't think off the top of my head, unfortunately, because I've got too many teams in my mind. But like, Rocket Santa Cruz's first season at Blackburn was quite good. He that was good. Yeah. Um, I remember Blackburn used to be my United's bogey team. We used to get embarrassed by them year, week, year, year in, year out. I don't know what would happen. Just one season lose 4 1, next season lose 4 2. They used to come Old Trafford and Bunces as well. That's one team yeah. I mentioned. Craig Bellamy, David Bentley, Rocket Santa Cruz, two yeah. guys. You guy like all these good footballers used to play like Chris Amber came a couple of years later. Um Walton Gamps, Pedersen. Yeah, yeah, one for the streets. Do you know what I mean? But I, it, for me, it has to be Portsmouth, man. Portsmouth have to be the best table team of all time. Like they Ronaldinho came to Fratton Park, man. Ronaldinho and Kaka played at Fratton Park, bro. <laughs> 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 what more do you want? What more do you need? Like these colossus of in the game. Came to a 16,000, 17,000-seater stadium in 2009 and played them at Fratton Park. And it wasn't a friendly, it was the Europa League game. So that's so you know, like, this 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 is a serious team. And, yeah, man. For me, best mid-term team on the side of all time, it's got to be 078 Portsmouth team. Um, sec- I honestly think that team currently, I, I hate doing this, but if I have to say, if that football team was, was around now, easy, Seventh, comfortable seventh, pace finish. I mean, there's also Wolves, the the Wolves that had just come up from the championship in 1819. And yeah, what they nobody, nobody, nobody rates Wolves, man. Wolves have got a couple summer players, and they think, yeah, this is it. Just because their names are mad, you know, ooh, mad authentic and, and um, foreign. No, but they signed quality, quality players, and also, obviously. The difference also is budgets. Like the the budgets are different, and I think that has to be accounted for. But that works in favor of the current teams. You know what I mean? Because what team is gonna get Ruben Neves? Like they were in the championship, yeah, and they had Ruben Neves in the championship. Like they had money. all these guys in the championship, and then they. Even has money. 
Man City signing a team, a team that has money. Man City signed Joe Alves after finishing after getting spanked eight, eight one by Middlesbrough. Yeah, they they signed like no, that wasn't it wasn't true. It was a year after. I swear they signed. They signed like Joe Alves from Sparta at Moscow for like twenty four mil, and Joe Alves at the time was like. I don't know if you remember Luis Adriano. Do you remember him? He's been shot yeah. He was like that. Like one of those footballers that came from a, from a Quay country, but you always knew about him because he was just scoring goals after goals after goals. So and then they ended up somewhere by signing Robinho. That's what happens when you have money, man. Like it is what it is. Hey, Wolves, Wolves has a team though. I mean, we're talking about Adama Traore, Leo Bonatini, Jota. Jimenez, Cavalero, Heldo Costa, then Donka, Mutinho, Ruben See, Neves. I'm, like, hearing mad, I'm just hearing mad. No, I'm just hearing mad. Ooh, foreign name, foreign name, this, foreign name, that. Like Half those men I told you, you, you just named are dead. Leo Bonantini was crap. Heldo Costa was crap. <laughs> I don't rate Adam Atrari. He's just a fast black Daniel James. Um, okay. I'll give you Raul Jimenez before the concussion. I'll give you, I don't even particularly think Ruben Neves is all that, but I'll give you that him as well because he's like you said, they said him in the championship. And I'll give you Yota. And I'll give you Willy Bully. I like Willy Bully. Moutinho, no? Oh, the Moutinho was when they came up. So, all right, cool. Yeah, no, I'm talking about when they came up. All right, cool. Uh, Moutinho, add to the list. And then I'll add um, Leandro de Donker. I like him. Everyone else is. Mm. Yeah, exactly. And then Pedro Neto. Willy Bully. I, I, I Willy said Willy Bully. I like him. Yeah, I mean they they have Portugal starting goalkeeper. Yeah, like that's that that's saying something. I, personally, it? I said Rui Patricio. That's Portugal's starting goalkeeper who they had. Um, Is that saying something though? Because like I said, David James was England number one playing for Portsmouth, bro. And not only was he playing for Portsmouth when they won the FA Cup, he was playing for Portsmouth when and played. He went to the World Cup as starting goalkeeper when Portsmouth got relegated. So. <laughs> Like, what does that mean? Hey, uh, Wolves, Wolves had the team, man. Wolves had the team. Um, and, you know, they, they managed to keep a little bit of that core together and just add to it. Jota, this, he was playing in the championship. Yeah, but he was, like, also, he was also a Fletico Madrid reject. So, these things yeah. happen. You have, to, you have to prove yourself somewhere, don't you? <laughs> but, um, Guys, you know, this has been this has been a good a great pod in fact it's, it's really interesting to sort of reminisce about these these players and um, these moments in history which you know we haven't been able to think about in a while it's just reminding me of Premier League years to be honest I feel like <laughs> I need to go go oh, watch a few reruns because yeah your your naming players and I'm just like rah. He had his moments. I'm thinking of like Benjani and players like that, um, and you know his funky celebration. But no, this has been a really, really good one. I don't think we've come to conclusion, but that is something for the listeners to decide. Um, we want you guys to tell us whether the mid-table teams of today. Yeah. And the last 10 years are superior to the mid-table teams from 2002 to 2012. Please let us know. 
please share your thoughts, please yeah. And what comment. we're discussing today is Jeff saying uh, the Premier League at the moment is stronger due to the strength of the middle, middle table sides. Um, yeah. And I'm basically saying the strength's always been there. Um, but guys, please don't forget the past. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? yeah. so, and it's slightly ugly, argue, arguably it was better back then than it is now. But, you know, that's for you guys to decide. You've just listened to us waffle for about an hour. Um, what do you guys think? Uh, do you agree with myself or do you agree with Jeff? Let us know in the comments. Let us know in the, in the responses. We'd like to hear from you, obviously. And what should we talk about next? We've got some stuff lined up that are coming through, things that we'd be interested in. We're trying to watch the next special guest as well, someone that we believe you'd be interested to hear their story. Um, yeah. Give us some recommendations of who we should, who should try to DM and get onto the show. So we're, 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 we'd love to start working with your, your suggestions too. And yeah, thank you, Tony. You said it well. We are Ballers Corner. You can find us on all social media platforms at Ballers Corner, B-A-L-L-R-S Corner. Um, And I think we have to end the pod with our slogan, our motto. We we speak about it all the time. And I think it kind of relates to, you know, these different periods in football and us trying to compare, especially with the influx of money, that that has like helped the league recently, but progression in football is not linear. We have to shout it every single time we jump on, just to remind you guys, progression in football is not linear. But yeah, thank you, Tony, man. This has been a good one. No, I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. It's good doing a one v one with you as well. I don't know why it's taking this long, but yeah. Well, until next time, fellas. We're out. Can you really step with gang? When we pull up to you, step and flesh with man. When we pull up these bodies, they be laughing again.